and uh, I just want to launch uh, straight in. As Andy said, uh, we're going to begin a series in John's Gospel together as a church family. And we've chosen John's Gospel uh, simply because he, he really talks. It's all about Jesus and we want to set our eyes on Jesus. We want to be looking at Jesus uh, over these weeks and months. There's been lots of hard things about lockdown and about the last nine months. One of the, the best thing for me is uh, because I haven't been able to travel, I there's lots of things I've been able to do, I've been able to spend more time looking at Jesus and it's done my soul good. It's done my heart good. Just looking at Jesus changes your perspective on everything. And that's why we want to do that together. And um, uh, the first question uh, is, uh, why four Gospels? Why, why did God give us four stories? Surely one would have been enough about the life of Jesus. Well, the best way I can answer it is by talking about the, my favourite place to visit, which is the Grand Canyon. And Andy and I, we've been there together about four or five times. We have, yeah. Is it about four or five, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I remember the first time we went, we drove, I think, eight hours from Los Angeles yes. to get there. And by the time we got there, we didn't realise it was going to be quite that long a journey. We were a bit grumpy. And then we got out of the car, and I remember thinking, we may as well go and see this big hole in the ground, and then we'll go back. And we walked to the edge, and as we stopped and we looked... It's, I, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, it is the most incredibly majestic sight. We both just went, wow. We turned to each other, we said, wow. We turned to all the others around us and we said, wow. And we feasted our eyes on the sight. It was fantastic. And then after a while, we, we went back, got in the car and we drove around to another vantage point. And there was a a completely different view of the same of the same Grand Canyon, and we wowed some more. And then uh, we we went walked down the Grand Canyon. Yeah, we did, well, yeah. I walked down a third of it. You walked down all the way because it's a long way to the bottom. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we we went to the, the Bright Angel Trail. I remember. And every time we turned a corner, it was wow. We looked up, wow. We looked down, wow. Um, I stopped wowing when I started walking back up, I have to be honest, <laughs> uh, because I was then close to death. Uh, but, but every vantage point, every view, said, showed, shone a different light to the, same, to the same beautiful place. And the four Gospels do exactly that. It's the same Jesus and they tell slightly different things about the same Jesus. Now, now Mark was almost certainly the first to be written, the first gospel. Uh, then came Matthew and Luke, and John came a few years after. They reckon um, that his gospel was written in AD 90 to AD 100, uh, probably from uh, Ephesus, which is now in Turkey. And again, the, the four Gospels, they tell us something a little bit different about Jesus. Mark's was the shortest. 
I mean, he, he, he was quick. He, he got his information almost certainly from Simon Peter. Simon Peter would have told him stories and he really just wrote mainly what Jesus did. And he talked about all the things that Jesus did. Then Matthew and Luke, they emphasized, although they wrote about what Jesus did, they emphasized what he said. They talked about the things he said, his parables, um, his stories, his teachings. And Matthew wrote his gospel specifically for, for the Jews. He wrote it in order for the, 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 to communicate to his fellow Jews. Luke wrote his gospel for the Gentiles, for those who were not Jews, that they would understand. Uh, Mark wrote about what Jesus did. Matthew and Luke wrote about what Jesus said. John's purpose, John wrote about who Jesus was. And everything that he wrote was coming back to emphasizing this is who he is. This is the one I love. And, and he tells us all about Jesus. Uh, for Mark, uh, Jesus is portrayed as the Son of Man. Uh, for Matthew, Jesus, if there's a title, it's Jesus is portrayed as the King of the Jews. For Luke, Jesus is the Saviour of the world. For John, the main message is Jesus is God. And this is what we're going to be looking at, John's Gospel. And uh, we're going to be looking over the next um, first seven Sundays, and then we're going to do a final one to wrap it all up, about the I am sayings of Jesus in John's Gospel. And there's seven of them. And just to explain, um, first of all, numbers like names in Hebrew culture and in the Hebrew way, they, they have meaning. So um, three is the number of, um, of God, uh, God is Trinity, and you see that all over the place. Uh, you know, in Revelation, the angels cry, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Three threes. Six is the number of human beings. On the sixth day, God created humanity. Seven is the number of completeness. It's like regarded as the perfect number. On the seventh day, God rested from his labors. He finished creation. And so um, in uh, John's gospel, Jesus says seven I am sayings. Now, the reason he says them is because for everyone who knew their Bible, their Jewish Bible, um, uh, when God met Moses at the burning bush and Moses said to him, who shall I say you are? What is your name when I go back to Egypt and I talk to Pharaoh and I talk to my people to bring them out of their slavery towards the promised land? What shall I say your name is? And the Lord says, I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. And the obvious question is, I am who? I am what? Finish the sentence. Jesus came to finish the sentence. So seven times the perfect number, he says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate or the door or the entrance. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Seven times. And, and John also uh, tells us, uh, uh, gives us other insights into, into Jesus. He says he is the word. He is light. He is life. He is the I am. And as well as seven I am sayings, John chooses seven miracles, just seven. Now, Mark, if you open the book of Mark, Jesus is either performing a miracle, he's on his way to perform a miracle, or he's on his way back having performed a miracle. Matthew and Luke have loads of miracles. John chooses just seven. He knows there's more. We'll mention that later, but he chooses seven specifically, and only two of them are found in the other three Gospels. The other three Gospels are very similar to one another. They use the same language, and they tell similar stories. John's is very different. It was written years later with a different purpose. And so there are seven miracles, and John calls them signs. The seven signs, the point to who Jesus is. Remember, John's purpose is to tell us who he is. The first two uh, signs are also in the other Gospels. Jesus walking on the water. Then there's the feeding of the 5,000. And then there's five that don't appear anywhere else. Uh, Jesus turns water into wine at the wedding feast at Cana. He heals the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda. He heals the nobleman's son. He heals the man who was blind from birth and he raises Lazarus from the dead. <coughs> Sorry. Why did he choose those seven? He chose them because they're the most extraordinary of all the miracles. And individually and together, they tell us who Jesus is. Um, he walks on water. He has power over nature. Only God can do that. He feeds a multitude with a, some bits of bread and a few fish. He feeds a multitude. A reminder of what God did in the wilderness when manna came down from heaven and then Jesus says, I am the bread of life. At the wedding feast at Cana, his first miracle, his first sign, according to John, he turns water into wine by the gallon, by the litre, masses of it. And that, and that miracle, right at the beginning of John's Gospel, tells us everything, everything about what Jesus was going to do. He was going to turn water into wine because there's a wedding feast to come. There's a wedding feast where, where Jesus, it will be the bridegroom, and we his people will be the bride, where we will be united permanently with him, where he will take us for his own. And at that wedding feast, there will be wine to spare. And the wine speaks of his blood that was shed on the cross. And so that miracle uh, tells us uh, uh, exactly what Jesus is going to do. Jesus heals the crippled man by the pool of Bethesda. Well, what's the big deal about that? Because he, cripples, he heals many other crippled people and blind people. Well, this man had been crippled for 38 years. 
It wasn't just a, oh, I don't think I can walk very well. He'd been there for a long time, a major miracle. He heals the nobleman's son. And the whole, the whole point of that is he does it from a distance. He says to him, go, your son will live. Your son will be okay. He heals the man who was blind from birth. Another total, total miracle. And then finally, he raises Lazarus from the dead. And, and the, the thing about raising Lazarus from the dead is, yes, in the other Gospels, um, uh, he, he heals, he, he raises from the dead the widow of Nain's son. Um, uh, he raises from the dead the, um, the centurion's servant. Uh, but they'd only just died. And Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. It was the fourth day. And by the fourth day, the, the body would have been rotting. And again, in Jewish culture, in Jewish theology, they, they believed that on the fourth day, <coughs> the spirit would leave the person. And so it was, a, it was a resurrection. And to say, and then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, his seven miracles backed up his seven I am sayings. Why did John write his gospel? Uh, we have the answer as, because John tells us. He says this in uh, John 20, verses 30 to 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So it wasn't that John was ignorant. John had been with Jesus. He was, he was the beloved disciple. He knew all the other signs. But he said, he said he performed many other signs which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that be by believing you may have life in his name. John's whole gospel is written that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and by believing, we might have life in his name. And that is why we're going to be gorging ourselves, if I may use that term, on John's gospel for the next week, eight, eight weeks or so. Um, Sorry, I've lost my place here. Yeah. And that, that phrase, uh, that, that, that by, by, by believing you may have life in his name, in the Greek it's present continuous, which literally translated means that by believing, by going on believing, you may have life in his name. John's gospel wasn't written primarily for, uh, uh, for non-Christians. It was written for mature Christians that, that we might keep going. And he wrote it in the days of persecution. And it was like he was saying, I want to remind you, I want to give you a glimpse of who he is so that you might go, wow, but also that you might continue believing, you might continue faithful. And in this, this time where it looks like it's going to be a full year, if not a bit more, of of the, the whole COVID situation. You know, these are days when we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. 
the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's what John seeks to do. He wants to fix our eyes again on Jesus, that we might continue to believe, that we might continue to trust. Now, John talks a lot about eternal life. That comes again and again and again. Uh, But he's not talking just about quantity, which is everlasting life, but also quality, abundant life. I have come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness, in all its abundance. He, He says that eternal life is in the here and now, not just in the there and then. And in fact, eternal life is Jesus. In John 17 verse 1, he records Jesus' praying, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is to know Jesus. Eternal life is to have Jesus living in you. Eternal life is to belong, to be attached to Jesus, who is the true vine. I love this stuff. I love this stuff because it's all about him. There are two errors that John sought to correct um, in um, uh, in in his book. And there were two errors that were going round at the time, about 100 years after Jesus was born. And uh, the first error, well, there were some people that were saying that, that Jesus was, um, was, was just a human being, that he wasn't really God, that he was created first, and that um, he was really human, that he certainly wasn't God. And uh, uh, the second error uh, was that Jesus um, was only God and not really human, that when he walked... Um, <clears throat> sorry, that when he walked, um, he didn't leave footprints. um, And it was part of the whole Greek philosophy thing that Plato believed that the true reality was the spiritual world and the earthly world was just a shadow. And Jesus came from the spiritual world. And so he wasn't really human. And John spent his whole gospel passionately telling us that Jesus is both 100% human being and 100% God. And and he didn't just borrow a human body to live in. And first of all, how does he tell us that he was fully a human being? He shows us Jesus' humanity. He shows us that Jesus got tired when he sat down in John chapter 4 at the well because he was tired from his journey. He shows us Jesus weeping over Lazarus' tomb. Uh, He shows his humanity in the way he he weeps. He weeps. John gives us a bigger insight than any of the other Gospels into Jesus' prayer life. He shows us again and again Jesus praying to his Father in his humanity. And then he makes it absolutely clear that Jesus really died. He spends a long time making sure we understand it wasn't a phantom death. It wasn't God pretending. It was a real death. That He tells us that the soldiers put a spear in his side and out of his side came uh, blood and water. 
he wants to let us know that Jesus was fully human, but also he wants to let us know that Jesus was fully God, 100% divine. And how does he do that? Well, it's the number seven again. There were, there were seven signs, as we've said, uh, seven miracles that point to his divinity. Only God could do such a thing. Then there was the seven statements by Jesus, his I am sayings, and Jesus was saying, I am God. You see, by using that phrase, in fact, in fact, at one point Jesus says, um, before Abraham was, I am. And the Jews knew exactly that he was claiming to be God, so they took stones to throw at him. But then also, there's seven witnesses. Again, three sevens, seven signs, seven I am sayings, and seven, just seven witnesses to Jesus' divinity, the perfect number, completeness. There was John the Baptist who pointed to Jesus. There was Nathaniel. There was Peter himself. There was Martha. There was doubting Thomas. There was John, the beloved disciple who wrote the gospel. And then finally, the most important witness of all, there was Jesus himself who claimed that about himself, that he was God. Jesus was sent by the Father, John tells us. He was one with the Father and he was obedient to his Father in his words and his actions. The, the word glory is used a lot in John's Gospel about Jesus and we saw his glory, the glory of the one and only. That term that term is reserved for God. The Shekinah glory was God's alone. And that phrase was used of Jesus. John is the, John's is the only gospel that clearly states that Jesus is God. Now the other gospels, <coughs> sorry, the other gospels allude to it. The other gospels um, uh, uh, refer, refer to it. Uh, imply it but John actually states in many places but the two best places the two most important places are right at the beginning of John's gospel the first verse the first verse of John's gospel says in the beginning God in the beginning how does it go word. in the beginning was the word well, in the beginning my mind just went blank there in the beginning was the word you can tell we're doing this live. In the beginning was the <laughs> Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He clearly states it, the Word was God. And then right at the end of the Gospel, Thomas, who had been doubting and said, I'm not going to believe unless I put my fingers in the nail marks in his hands and put my, my finger in his side. And then Jesus appears to him and says, here's my hands, have a go, Thomas, here's my side. And Thomas bows down, he says, my Lord and my God. So, Mark's gospel begins when Jesus is 30 years old. Uh, Matthew goes further back to Jesus' birth, but he traces Jesus' ancestry to Abraham. 
because Abraham was Father Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. And Matthew wanted everyone to know, um, all the Jews to know, hey, Jesus is king of the Jews. Luke goes even further and traces uh, Jesus uh, back, his, his ancestry back to Adam in order to show Jesus' full humanity. John goes much, much further. In the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And he doesn't say before the beginning because our brains can't comprehend before the beginning. But what he is saying is Jesus was not created. In the beginning, right at the beginning, before anything else, he was there. He was with God in the beginning, in relationship with God, and he was God. God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And all creation came through him. That's what he says um, at the beginning, at the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Um, and finally, as I come to end, just to remember in all of this, John wasn't just writing a defence of Jesus' divinity. divinity. He was writing about his best friend. John is, refers to himself in his gospel as the beloved disciple, the one he loved. And he was right. And, you know, John, he, he has little anecdotes that no one else has. He tells us details that only someone who could have been there would have known. There was 153 fish um, that... that um, that they caught after the resurrection. Uh, little things about Jesus, uh, things he said, things he did, and there are even places like you can't tell if it's Jesus speaking or John speaking in the original Greek, like God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, John adds all sorts of little details and he was talking about his friend that he loves and he was talking as a friend. And that's the joy of this gospel. That's why it's so warm. That's why it's so magnificent. And yet, and yet, even though he wrote about Jesus, his best friend, and like he knew him intimately, later on, just before he dies, he's in exile on the island of Patmos. And he has his revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. And he has a revelation of Jesus, Jesus whom he knew. And he says, he says, I'll just read a bit. I turned round to see the voice that was speaking to me. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair of his head his head was, how do I describe it? It was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes, how do I describe his eyes? They were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in his, the furnace. And his voice, his voice, it was like the sound of rushing waters. And then he says in his right hand, he held the seven stars 
the number of completeness, meaning all the stars, representing everything. And then John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. And do you know what he then says? Then he put his right hand on me. The right hand that had held the stars, the universe in space, ruffled John's hair. Jesus was his best friend, and yet he still didn't quite recognize him at the beginning. And then Jesus spoke to him and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I was dead, but I'm alive again. What does that tell us? However well we think we know Jesus, there's always more. There's always flipping more. There's more of Jesus to know. That's what we're going to do as we go through these eight weeks. Please join us. We're going to look at um, this every Sunday for the next eight weeks. And we're going to do every day, as Andy said, um, uh, readings. Uh, uh, it, it won't be long each reading. We're going to feed our souls we're going to feed our minds. We're going to feed our hearts. We're going to saturate ourselves with the knowledge, not just intellectually, but deep inside of us, revelation knowledge of our wonderful Saviour, our wonderful King, who is a 100% human being like us. That's why he could represent us on the cross. And a 100% God... That's why he rose from the dead and gives us life because he is the resurrection and the life.